Well, we're starting a new series today called uh, New Way to Live, and Jesus is saying, I'm making all things new. We have a Bible that we can bring you so you can read along if you'd like. Just raise your hand. They'll bring them right from the back. They've got them in their hands, and they would love to hand them to you. So raise your hand, and then when you do get the Bible, why don't you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, we'll be beginning verse 16. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yesterday we had a party here that uh, we had over 100 people working the party and about 1,200 people, most of them under four feet tall, and uh, they were all over the place, and um, we even had a new event at our Easter fair that uh, somebody brought a whole chessboard and players that are about three feet tall. So I stepped up and I, I moved a piece and somebody all uh, just instantly stepped up the other side and moved a piece and I moved a second and he moved a second and I thought I was doing pretty good and then... Somebody leaned over and said, he's a grandmaster. And suddenly, I, you know, I got scared. So we, we played, you know, the game pretty soon. I'm taking a real beating. And then somebody in the crowd said, well, why don't you just trade sides? So we swapped. Now instead of the black players, I was the white players. And our, uh, the white, I became the black players. And he still cobbled together a victory, I want you to know. But uh, it, it was a, a good learning experience. So through all of that of having just the whole campus impacted that way, I'm going, Lord, do something new. You, you're, you're the Lord who's doing something new. You've, you've taken us in our, in our, our brokenness and our sin and our uh, fractured condition, and you give us your wholeness and your forgiveness, and uh, you restore us. Do something new. And so... It was just a small thing, but this morning my computer was giving me some challenges, and I'm trying to print uh, my message, and when I finally did get to the copier and it printed, it came out pink. <laughs> I've never preached from the pink before, so I laughed and said, well, Lord, that's a little small thing, but uh, we'll take it and we'll start from there, because somebody had forgotten left the paper in, but uh, we're looking at life change, and uh, I just wanted, Mike, where are you? Just, would you just stand and let us recognize you? Just thank you for sharing your story with us. You know, for every one of us, the day's coming where you stand before God and he says, why should I let you in my heaven? And to say, well, I'm a Baptist or I'm a Muslim or I'm a Presbyterian or, or uh, my mom prayed a lot or, you know, my family used to go to church. It, 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 God's not going to be impressed. He wants to hear people who say, I love Jesus and Jesus is my Savior and he died in my place and I have traded my brokenness for his wholeness. I have traded my sin for his, his uh, purity. I have I've, I've traded uh, my ro rags of my own righteousness for his robes of righteousness. And one of the more powerful stories of life transformation that I learned this last year and have shared a little bit here at church uh, came from northern Nigeria last October. Now, no, it's not like that. It wasn't a get-rich-quick kind of scheme. The man was named Peter, and he runs five orphanages, and he's been here at church. And he said, please pray. He said, here in northern Nigeria, we are suffering intense persecution uh, because people believe in Jesus. And um, there is one person in particular who's been leading the charge to, to harass Christians or to burn their houses down or even to put some of them to death. Well, wouldn't you know that man had two wives and one became a believer secretly and uh, after a period of time got up the courage one evening to say to her husband this was just last October do you know honey those people that you're persecuting are innocent and really you ought to quit it well he had a hissy fit and a tantrum there in the house jumped up and down yelling and screaming and all of a sudden he lay down and 
they didn't know if he was having a stroke or had died. He had, so his two wives poured water over him. I'm not sure that would be the best medical approach. My doctor's here right on the front row, so I'm in good shape today. Um, but um, they poured water over him, and finally he sits up and he says, do either of you know how to become a follower of Jesus Christ? They're looking at him like, what? They said, we thought you had died or were in a, had a stroke. He goes, I didn't have a stroke. This guy sat down next to me in this blazing white robe. He said, stop picking on my followers. He said his name is Jesus and I should become his follower. Now, does anybody know how to become a follower of Jesus? God had done a miracle. God had revealed himself by showing Jesus to this person who had nothing to do with Jesus before that, was not open to hearing the gospel. And this guy, neither wife fessed up to knowing how to follow Jesus, so he sent them each to their room, and he went to his room, and his wives could hear through the wall him crying and praying and asking God for forgiveness all night long. In the morning, the, uh, the unbelieving wife went to the market, and so the believer fessed up. She said, I, I know how to become a follower of Jesus. And she shared Christ with them that it meant to ask God to forgive your sin and to come uh, into your life and to, to, to take charge of your life. And he got down on his knees and he asked Jesus to become his Savior. Well, then he said, we better go see those Christians. I have something to tell them. And so they walked to where the, uh, the, he knew the, the uh, Christians were get, would be gathering and they saw him coming and they're just running. He goes, wait, 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 don't be afraid. I have something to tell you. And he got down on his knees and in tears, he began to beg them, please forgive me for persecuting you because Jesus appeared to me and I too now am a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, he went back home. His one wife wasn't sure that she wanted anything to do with this and she took their five children and left. His, his believing wife with the three children stayed with him, but it wasn't too many nights before um, some bad guys were coming to his house and they could hear him coming and his wife said, we better run. And he said, I'm not going to run. I'm going to stay right here. And so she ran with the children and they hadn't gotten that far away when they saw that their house was completely engulfed in flames. And so she made her way through the night to the Christians. And uh, then somebody went the next day to see if his, uh, her husband's body was there. There was no body to be found. They had ended up beating him up, and then they took him with them. They ended up taking him to a hospital. He was beaten so badly. And uh, then they began to come to ask him, now, why did you become a Christian? And he began to tell them about Jesus and uh, to share his uh, newfound faith with them and uh, the difference that Christ could make inside. And... Uh, they kept coming and they said, look, it, we'll, we'll give you a more responsibility. We'll give you more money. We'll give you another wife if you just renounce Christ. And he says, I can't do that. He showed up. He sat next to me. He was in a blazing white robe. He is God. And he said, become my follower. So I'm going to do that. Well, he has since gotten out of the hospital. His story has been uh, videotaped. So we possibly will be able to see it here one day. And um, then he was back in the same village and they were coming for him again and this time he decided to run uh, with his family and once again their house was burned down and he has not been heard of for about the last three weeks. And so he has given up everything for Jesus. Why? Why would you give up everything for Jesus? I mean, he lost his job, he lost his uh, position, he lost his prestige, he lost his power, he lost his family, he lost his house, he lost his friends, he lost his health. Maybe he's lost his life. Why? What would be worth all that? Jesus. 
because Jesus is that big of a treasure. Because he saw Jesus for who he really is. He's really the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the God of glory. Jesus is unique. He's a one of a kind. He was fully God, and yet he became fully man. He came from earth, or from heaven to earth, and he lived a sinless life of perfection here. And he came to show us God's new way and to bring in the kingdom of God. And he died to pay for the price of sin. The old way was broken. It was gone. It was dead. But Jesus didn't stay dead. Here he died so that you and I could live, and he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. He is risen. Oh, you did a good job, and that's the truth, too. You can help me preach it. He is risen indeed, and Jesus started the new way. I said, here's the new way. You get to have a relationship with God where he's alive in you, in his spirit, in your spirit, where they can commune and they can talk with one another and they have a relationship with God and with other people who are believers and then a life forever after in heaven in the presence of God. Jesus is the treasure. He's the only one who can get you right with God for now and forever. He's the only one who can make your life count for something that has eternal value. He's the only one who can secure cure you a home in heaven. Easter is all about Jesus. Jesus not staying dead. He came back alive and he rose from the grave. Do you know in the Bible there's a man named Saul. He had an identical experience to this man and Saul was renamed Paul. So this Nigerian they're actually calling Paul because it was this identical experience of a flashing vision of Christ. Of Christ showing up in his power and his radiance. And Saul's life was changed forever. He became an ardent follower of Jesus, a fully devoted follower. And here's part of what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The old is gone and the new is come. Live in the new by the values that Jesus proclaimed. Let me give you at least three of those. Number one, live for Jesus who died for you. Fall passionately in love with Jesus. He said, if anyone is in Christ, in fact, read this verse with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The new way begins simply in prayer by asking Jesus to come into your life. There is an invitation in the Bible from God to you where Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I will eat with him or with her and he with me. God's inviting you into a relationship. He wants to be friends with you. It's a friendship that has a lot of benefits for us when we choose to put God at the center of our life. God wants us to be right with him. There was a couple here at church a few years ago named Rudy and Elizabeth, and they came and they said, would you, bapt uh, would you marry us? I said, I thought you were married. They said, no, we've just been living together and we want to get married. 
So when I asked them about it, I said, what's going on? And they said, well, Rudy just learned that he has advanced liver cancer. And we don't know how long he has to live. But for the rest of the time that he has to live, we want to get right with God. We want to live right before God. And so we want you to marry us, and then we want to be baptized. They were baptized that year right before Christmas. And from the baptismal waters, Rudy said to everybody, get right with God. You don't know how long you have. Get right with God today. It was only a few weeks after that, Elizabeth called me from the hospital and said, Rudy is, is in emergency and he's bleeding out. They can't get the bleeding stopped. Could you please send somebody to pray with us? I said, I'll see you there myself. So I ran, ran to the hospital and got to the ICU room where Rudy was and uh, Elizabeth was there and Rudy's four children and his sister and her child and Rudy's ex-wife. Now, that's an interesting combination, but it's not my business. I'm just, I'm here to pray with you. So gathered around his bed is his wife, his ex-wife, and his children, and his sister. And we prayed, and we prayed for Rudy. And we prayed as he, this was probably the day I said to him, today you could be the day. And he said, you're right. I'm going to see Jesus face to face. So after we prayed, his kids are hugging him for probably the last time that they're going to see him alive. And his ex comes sliding around the group like this, and she comes over next to me, and she goes, Rudy told me about getting baptized and about getting right with God. I said, isn't that great? She goes, yeah, but I need that too. I need to get right with God. I need to be baptized. I said, okay, we'll do that later. <laughs> and we did. She was baptized at South Shores a few months later. They, I think they waited until his birthday, and then they all came to church and, and uh, some of his kids and his ex were baptized that day. Rudy had told all of us, get right with God. You don't know how long you have. I mean, Christ died for you. The Bible says God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died so that you could live. So give him your heart. Somebody who had been part of our church was named Harold, had done that. He'd given Jesus his heart. In fact, he'd been a pastor of several churches. And, um, but more importantly, he had made his heart the home for Christ. And uh, he had shared it with his wife and his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. And they all learned of God's love, not just through his preaching, but through how he lived his life and his beautiful example. Well, he, he got rather uh, uh, weak and uh, was, was, you could tell he wasn't going to live very long. And on the last day he was conscious, three of his great-grandsons were there. They were like 8, 9, 10 years old, and they're playing around in the room. They're, you know, scuffling around, playing with toys, jumping on his bed, giving him hugs, talking to him. Finally, they're wearing him out. And finally somebody said, hey, boys, let's go to the beach. One of those boys was a special needs child. And so just before they left for the beach, that 9-year-old boy stopped in the doorway and he said, hey, Grandpa, see you here or see you there? The last day is that grandpa was conscious. See you here or see you there. You know, we, ha we have that kind of hope that we are going to uh, step from this life into the presence of the Lord. If that doesn't bring you anything but joy, then be sure you're right with God. Get right with God because the day is coming. We lost one around here this year, a real saint named Maxine. She was 96 years old. She had been a pastor's wife. Then she'd been a missionary in Turkey alongside of her husband. Then they came home, and she was a supportive wife as he struggled with Alzheimer's for 15 years. And then after Ed passed, she became one of the deacons here at church. More importantly, she was in love with Jesus. She blessed everybody. And in fact, she went to the dentist on a Thursday. So you know if you're going to the dentist, you plan to live for a while, right? You're not, you know, if you knew you were dying that weekend, you're not going to bother going to the dentist that week. 
So she went to the dentist on Thursday, but that evening she began to get such pain that she let people take her to the hospital. And um, they said they wouldn't do the surgery on her, so she said, well, then unplug me from these machines. I wanted to go be with Jesus and to see my beloved Ed again for 25 years, and so just take the machines off. I am ready to go. She, <laughs> well, I'll tell you one little story from when she was a deacon. You know, she was very proper. She, Robert's Rules of Order was kind of like her, her favorite book uh, next to the Bible, and and so at the end of one meeting, we go around the room and say, does anybody have anything else? We got to Maxine. She said, well, yes, I have one thing. She said, I, I don't know about young people dancing at church, if that's a good idea. And everybody just sat still. What's she talking about? And we didn't want to disagree with her, but wondered what are we, when we got to the bottom of it, there'd been a square dance in the fellowship hall, and those young 70 and 80-year-olds had been kicking it up in there. And... Um, she was concerned about this. Should this be happening at church? And so after she said that, well, then everybody just sat there dead silent. Finally, she goes, well, I see I have no support for my position. Just forget it. Let's move on. <laughs> so when I learned that Maxine went into the hospital that Friday, I was in San Diego with my teenager, and I said, I need to stop by the hospital. He goes, oh, who's in? I said, Maxine. He said, oh, well, then we're all going in. Here's a lady that was five times his age and had blessed him, had blessed him. And we're blessed here to be a multi-generational family. So keep reaching out to people half your age or twice your age or something like that. But, uh, you know, Maxine, I don't know if she's dancing in church. I don't know about that, but I know she's dancing in heaven and celebrating Jesus. See, death is not the end. It's not over when it's over for those who love Jesus. So the second thing, to say here, you see here is invest yourself in those around you now. Time is shorter than you think. Invest yourself. Time is shorter than you think. I was called by a guy named Dale. He said, my wife, Janie, is, is, uh, hasn't spoken for two days. She's unconscious. She's not going to live very long. Would you come pray with us? So I went over to their house. He ushers me into their master bedroom. She's lying right down the center of a king-size bed. So he sat down on one side. I sat down on the other. I looked at her. I really thought she had already died. And so I'm leaning in close to her because I'm trying to see if there's even any breath. It doesn't look like anything's moving. And I'm about 15 inches from her face, and she pops her big blue eyes open. She goes, I love you. I go, ah! <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a shocking thing to hear from somebody who's dead, you know? And um, I love you. Is there somebody that you need to tell that? While, you, while you're not dead, you know, while you have a chance, we're always waiting kind of for the perfect time, but maybe you need to practice that out loud. Try it. Look at somebody near you and say, I love you. Try it. Okay, so who found that hard to do? Okay. All right. Who did it with a total stranger? Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Well, I love you. Jesus loves you. God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that whoever might believe in him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. Love isn't just flowers and cards and candy and cake and ice cream. Jesus cared about you so much, he sacrificed his life for you. He prayed for you. He hurt for you. He bled for you. He died for you. And he gave you a gift of his life. Live for him. Do you know... When a candle's in the dark, it's a whole lot easier to see and it lightens the room than if you have it out in the light. And love is sometimes easier to see when there's hardship and trouble. Hard times reveal love. 
And hardship can be a gift. And some of the gifts we, that we receive, we would never choose for ourselves. Dick told a story on his dad, Frank, at his funeral that Frank was this American success story. He was born in the 20s, and uh, his dad had died when he was a boy, so he's raising himself through the Great Depression and having a tough time finding any work as a young boy. And when life was tough, when he was finally old enough, he joined the Navy. And the process of growing up that way, he learned the value of a bargain and how to be tricky and hard and tight and mean if necessary. And after the Navy, Frank found a tricky way to to uh, get a, a boat. I guess it's a ship from the Navy, isn't it? But he, he bought one that they were auctioning off and he had put a big red X across the motor so people thought it was damaged. And so he bought it. He was the only one bidding on that boat. And he opened a fishing business and then he got into real estate and he was always looking for a bargain. In fact, as an older person, he'd go to garage sales and collect bargains all day long and then bring them to his kids and put them on their driveway. Here's my bargains for the day. And his kids gave him some movie tickets, and he turned them into a bargain. He went and he'd watch the first 15 minutes of the movie, and then he would go back and, and, and check out so that he could get the money back, right? Even though he was a multimillionaire, he was still grasping at, 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 at everything and just living life the way he'd learned. But then his son said, but then he got the gift, He'd been this hard, hurtful man making rude comments to his family, but he got the gift. I thought, what, the gift of the Holy Spirit? What did he get? And Dick said, well, he got the gift of Alzheimer's. And at first, he looked the same, but instead of saying, boy, you look bad, he would say, wow, you have beautiful eyes. And as the gift began to be unwrapped, Frank started to forget everything. He forgot who the people were around him, but he started being nicer to him. And he forgot about growing up poor and fighting for everything. And he forgot what it was like to pay taxes and get so mad at Uncle Sam, quote, stealing all his money. And he forgot about how much money he had or how much property he had collected. He forgot how to be hard and rude and crusty and tricky. And the gift that he gave the people who loved him was just himself, his true self. He'd say things like, you're beautiful, you have great eyes, or, wow, you really have a beautiful bald head. You go, what? <laughs> and he would smile when he saw you. He didn't know who you were, but he was happy to see you. And the gift of Alzheimer's let those who had loved him and had been pushed away get close to him once again. God gave Frank a gift that Frank would have never chosen has God ever given you or somebody you know and love a gift that you would not have chosen? Yeah, you can trust God and follow him. The old way, you see, has people loving people who love them back. The new way of Christ is to share and to love and to speak love and to do love, even to people who are hard to get along with. Then the third point is, get ready for heaven. Get ready for heaven. There's a woman who said, my mom died in... We all thought we were around her bed. We were praying with her. We thought she was gone. Suddenly she opened her eyes and she said, live like it's true because it is. Live like it's true because it is. All this stuff about Jesus, live like it's true because it is. You know, God's knocking on the door of your heart today. He wants a friendship with you. The easiest way to start is A, B, C. A, admit you need a Savior. B, believe Jesus is the only Savior available. And then C, Choose to follow him. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Shall we pray? Dear God, I thank you for your word, for your love, for your sacrifice, for the new way that you're trying to show us. We're comfortable with the old, but the new is so much better.
Now fill us with your spirit, we pray. May we be your people and invite you into our hearts and live for you our whole lives and then see you in heaven. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.